This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, LS Pod fans, it's JR here. Burt's Babes, Hoddle's Heroes, even Decanio's Dozens. We've had some iconic lineups in our history at Swindon, just like the legendary menu at McDonald's. Parkin' or Austin, sweet curry or barbecue? Why not get a McNugget share box to enjoy the debates with your mates? And thanks to book delivery, every drop-off could be a home win. Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points too. No one wants to drop points at home, and with tasty rewards to earn, you won't be missing out. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com It's Swindon Town. Hi everyone, it's JR here filling in for Rich on the Presser, who's down in Devon on holiday. And speaking of the Southwest, the original Cornish Pastico, Swindon Town flaked against the Green Ginster men of Plymouth in the Papa John's on Tuesday. The crust of the squad well and truly stuffed. Nothing fishy about the league with back-to-back wins. Swindon hoping to chip away at Grimsby's reasonable form in a September seaside special. And I'm joined as ever by the constant and ever-reliable Joe Ackland with Total Sports Swindon. Hello, JR. And may I applaud you on that absolutely unbelievably good introduction. Really a gem of rage. I know I'll get told off by by Rich uh, as soon as he hears it because he will be listening while he's on his seaside walks. Um, did you manage to capture any of the Plymouth game on Tuesday? Yes, I was. I'm contractually obliged to watch the the Stuffed Crust <laughs> Trophy. So, um, unfortunately, as it, what happened did wasn't as I said on Monday. Scott Lindsay's tricky red did not beat Plymouth, but um, I, I think there was still a lot of positives to be taken from the game. Most notably, of which we're no longer in the tr- competition. Is that oh, that's that's confirmed? Though we're definitely there's nothing that we can do, and that's that's it. Three games for us this year. Yeah, we're 100 percent out already. We even without having played Bristol Rovers, so you know, positives all round, really. Well, Mister Regular Rich is going to look forward to going to Bristol Rovers away. It's just uh, it's walkable for him, so um, I think he'll have a nice uh, evening out if if uh, a lonely one, but a good chance for. Fringe players to come back in to get minutes in, and maybe uh, for the Rovers game, maybe Connor Brown will get that that ever 
ever present debut. Yeah, perhaps it was a question I asked of Scott Lindsay after after the game. And he said, you know, he did feel he was ready, but wanted to keep Sol Brin in the team. I didn't really understand it, but that is what he said. We're still on that lookout for that experienced goalkeeper, the mythological. Yeah, we're I don't at... think we heard anything about that today, did we? No, we, we haven't heard it up there. I was speaking with Andrew Hawes beforehand, and he's, um, I think, tiring a little bit of the, the stock question, so didn't want to keep persisting with the goalkeeper chat, as I think it got to the point of we'll we'll hear about it when they actually sign one. Yeah, let's just focus on what, what is on the table. So it was yourself and, as you said, Andrew Hawes, BBC Radio Wiltshire, and Johnny Leefield of the Swindon Advertiser. First of all, I think we always just sort of start on these things to ask about um, the physio room and the injuries update. How are things looking for Angus McDonald after that knock on Saturday? Well, I think the answer to all of the injury questions is pretty ruddy positive. Angus McDonald, um, as we learnt on Monday, was going for a scan on Tuesday. That initial scan was inconclusive. But what was conclusive about the second scan is he was cotting. Little hint to the Groomsby game. He he well, didn't mind at all, really. He was he's um he was limping around, but he there isn't actually anything wrong with him. I think it was a bit of an impact or something. But uh he's fine and able to get back involved for this weekend. So uh positive news unless you don't think Angus McDonald isn't is particularly good and I will uh abstain from saying whether or not I think that. It definitely seems to be one of those Marmite players, but it feels like there always has to be there always has to be one. There has to be somebody who people are either hot or cold on. It just seems like it's Angus McDonald's turn at the moment. I think it would have been felt as a loss. So it's good to hear that it was just just a a good heavy knock and something he's managed to shake off. So hopefully he'll be involved on Saturday then. Yeah, it sounded like all positives. He was ready for selection and certainly is available to us if we need him to be. Um, you know, he's back in training. Scott Lindsay just wants to keep him keep him ticking over and playing because uh, obviously having not played so much last season, getting a bit more consistency will be nothing but helpful for him. It'd be very useful. And as we touched upon, there were positives to be had for this uh, this Plymouth game, this what seems to now be a dead rubber. Had Reese Devine and oh captain, my captain, Ellis Iandolo back in the fold. Um what did Scott Lindsay think about them maybe playing a part? Yeah, they got a good run out. I think Ellis got about seventy minutes, uh Devine eighty odd before Harvey Fox came on. So, you know, a good a good run run out for them after their respective injuries, which are Took a lot longer than I think we were initially told, but you know, the, it is tradition around these parts for managers to openly lie about injuries, so it's nice to continue with that, really. Um, it sounded like they both also, in playing that much, ran themselves out of contention, certainly to start this weekend. Uh, they they you know maybe played a bit more than they might have expected um, on Tuesday, and so they're, you know, they're being careful with them and wouldn't consider them for a starting spot at the weekend, but are both very much uh, available and eligible for the bench for us. It's good to hear that people are being rehabilitated at this stage into the season. And I think probably the standout everyone was talking about on Tuesday was, of course, uh, Russian Hepburn Murphy, who managed to even earn his own Dan Designs artwork after his exploits getting his goal. Lots of hype about him. Do we think that he's quite ready to, to slot into playing? Yeah, as you say, for Rashan, as I believe he said his name is, is pronounced, I think we, that's a bit of a definitive one for him now. 
getting the Dan Designs artwork is pretty much the highest honour you can obtain as a Swindon Town player. It's equivalent to the Medal of Honour around around Swindon these days. But um, again, he's you know he only played half an hour at, on Tuesday. They definitely don't want to rush him in. I think the sense is that he almost certainly won't be on the bench, but he, there's a chance that he could he could be he could be involved. But they're still working back. He's been out for over a year with those two hip surgeries that have really hampered him and his development at the moment. As Gordon, he said, no, maybe if he doesn't have those, there's, or in fact, not maybe, there's basically no way he would be playing for Swindon if he hadn't been injured for a year, such as his quality. And we certainly saw that against Plymouth, but because of those, he's working slowly. As Swindon did last season, it's nice to see it's carried over but the way we're trying to you know, manage players who have been injured and have a history of injuries, you know, managing them slowly and working them back in. So a chance for Rashan to be on the bench, but I wouldn't expect it. Rush Ian, that's what we want to say. Is Ian Rush backwards? That's that's what the pod the pod ground is and that's what we're going with. It is good though, it's good to hear that, you know, there's there's a caution that when you've got somebody who's got that got that pedigree that you you don't want to just sort of jump the ground and run them into the ground. It's it's good to be cautious with with our prodigal players. Yeah, absolutely. He said himself, he played for half an hour, 20 minutes he was fine, 10 minutes at the end he was completely gassed out. So that's not someone you're thinking is going to be fighting for minutes, you know, a few days later. It's it's just not likely. But he's he really showed he's he's got a lot of quality. I think Plymouth maybe gave a, a bit more space in behind than we might see in some other games, but he really exploited that, looked really dangerous, could have scored with his first touch. So it was... You know, it was a really good outing, and hopefully, over the coming weeks, we'll start to see it more regularly. Yeah, it's surprising how quickly uh, the narrative changes in just a few weeks. Because from going from having scant striker options, now we're talking about fantasy combos, and this this did come up in the press, and I've I heard a lot of the chat and the feedback to the pods and on other other podcasts which are available. But uh, there's a desire, isn't there, for the uh, the, the Jeffcott-Wakeling combo. Did it, Lindsay entertain any uh, any of that chat? Good news is he did entertain it. Bad news is, you know, he's not going to be relying on that. Obviously, the question comes from Johnny Williams being unavailable, so there's a spot up there in the forward three positions. And he was asked, really, if Jacob Wakeling could play out wide. Um, he he believes that he can. He likes. I, he didn't. He said all of his players. I'm pretty sure you wouldn't want to play Jeff Got. You know, left wing. But for the most part, certainly our forward players can play across the front line. And Wake Wakeling moving out there is something he could do. He said it, it is something he's considered. Um, I don't know how many times he has to tell people or or in what level of detail because he's pretty much tried it all. You know, we don't. We're not really going to play a front two in that sense. So if Jeff Got and Wakeling are on the pitch at the same time, it's going to be as part of the front three, one of them out wide, most likely, rather than a front two. But in in the scenario, they are on the pitch at the same time. He he has said he considered it would be something that maybe if a game isn't going our way, we could switch to and have them both on the pitch at the same time. But it's not going to be the uh, the four four two that everyone seems to be clamouring for, despite ten years of playing possession football and realising that you don't have to play that way. Yeah, and as, you, as you've touched on, I mean, as we're recording, we're discussing uh, off-mic, it's Nations League uh, tonight and Belgium play Wales. Johnny is on the bench with um, that other part-timer, Gareth Bale. I think you'd be pleased to know that I, I as a as a member of the uh, the Cymru Alliance in the 
in the pod chat with with James with JB. Um, I'm a member of various you know Wales supporting fan groups on Facebook, and there is one that has actually put the foot down today in a post to say that people who write posts slagging off Johnny Williams for playing in League Two or slagging off Chris Gunter or that sort of thing, they're having no truck for it, Joe. They're getting an instant ban. You're getting banned from this page if you diss Johnny Williams. And I think that's very fair and appropriate. Well, it's a mandatory to live by. It's a bit like, you know, everyone had to slam that Ghanaian pundit who said they shouldn't be playing Wallacott because he played in Division Four. You know, Johnny Williams plays... Plays at a higher level than Gareth Bale. I mean, what even is the MLS these days? You know, um, it, it's he's such a spectacular footballer, and you know he plays in Division Two because he wants to, not because he has to. Yeah, I I would agree always. And like you say, last season is a, a classic example where we had you know we had three players actually playing in World Cup qualifiers, all four nations that I would say would be you know expectant of doing results who have you know histories of qualifying for major tournaments so it's no shirker playing in league two and to me people who slag off the level of people that i haven't seen the level in goodness knows how many years oh yeah it's you know it's, it's a good level of football he's playing in a team that are playing a certain way and even for i think you would describe wales and ghana as sort of second tier nations maybe in terms of their quality but it's not like wales have always had the sort of first premier league division options that they currently have so slacking off the level that players play at is Possibly a little bit um, throwing stones whilst living in a glass house kind of territory. But is is he playing at the same level as Dan James? No. Is he a far superior footballer in terms of intellect and technical quality than Dan James? Absolutely. <laughs> I like it. Yes, I agree. Well, while he might be a luxury for Wales, he is a big loss for Swindon. How do you think that should go around compensating him not being there? Well, it's it's certainly an interesting one. It's a it's a question I asked on Monday, and I think Andrew Hawes did relate to that in his re-asking of it today. And how you uh, solve a problem like Johnny, um, he's you know he has a very specific skill set to play on that wide right. He plays more like a number ten, really. You know, he starts wide and comes inside and creates the play from there. So he's not a play who you can really have another of sitting on the bench. So it does take a bit of a bit of switching up. Um, Lindsay obviously said you know, he, he wouldn't change system or things like that, but I think you do have to change a little bit about, it, it's not necessarily system-based, but a little bit about the role of that player and some other players just to compensate for what you won't be having. Because if we played, say, you know, Morgan Roberts out there or even Wakeling out wide, perhaps, you're probably looking at more of an inside forward than a, than a playmaker from that position. So you would have to switch around what everyone else is doing. And Lindsay completely understands the size of this loss. He said that, you know, over the last three or four games, Johnny Williams has pretty much been our best player and he's almost unplayable when he's in the form he is right now. So you know, for obvious reasons, he's not telling us what his decision is on who's replacing Williams. We'll find that out at two o'clock on Saturday. But, you know, there is definite quality in behind him. Lindsay likes to talk about his squad depth at the moment. Maybe it's a bit of a bit of a gloat at Ghana because he never had such a thing, but... It's uh, it's there are players who can, who can step in. You could even play someone like Ronan Darcy out there. I think who could maybe try and play in a similar way to Williams in that midfield or in the forward line type way, or just try and divvy it up. Because I was impressed by Morgan Roberts on on Tuesday. I thought he certainly got into the game in the second half and he showed 
you know, he had that intelligence of knowing where to move and when to make runs. So I'd be happy for pretty much any of the options we have to go in and play in that position. Yeah, it's good that we've highlighted that depth is there. Now, listening to the audio, and, you know, we only have rights, of course, to play your questions, and people have to dig out and get the tone from other places. But this actually felt, you know, in contrast to other appearances, this was quite a quite a calm, considered, collected, focused Scott Lindsay. And I think that, uh, I think Johnny Leefield had asked this, do you think they've turned a corner here with these last two wins? Well, it certainly feels that way. And you'll hear the sort of statistical analysis to show that it, we've turned a bit of a corner for where we are in the season, in my question. But I, I think you just see Scott Lindsay becoming increasingly comfortable with all the situations. He, you know, he's gone at length to say how he's he's done all these things before. But it is always different when you're the number one. And doing all of the actions that he's seen so many other people do but he's you know he's becoming you know he's getting to grips with it at this point and I think he is becoming very comfortable in speaking with the press you know we have obviously off mic you hear that we we won't hear but we have lots of nice chats with Scott Lindsay about things and he's always becoming increasingly courteous in that way I'm getting backpacks by the dozen at the moment it's lovely as he comes in and out of the room so I think you can definitely see that Scott Lindsay is He's feeling more at home as the team's feeling more at home and you can just see him grow as a manager. Yeah, I think a lot of people really responded well to that post-match, particularly where he's saying that, you know, he's so happy that people at the club gave him a chance and put their faith in him and that, you know, he was going through a tough time and wanted to repay that. I think that really resonated with people. Um, and as a sort of point of whether it's, you know, it's proving the... I don't like necessarily like saying the naysayers or the boo boys wrong because while I was never a, I was never a Lindsay out man. When it comes to this issue of it, always seems like as town fans we want to kind of dig each other out for being for being fickle or flip flopping. But given our history and everything we've had to put up watching, can you can you blame us? Well, yeah, you know, as as William Shakespeare said, naysay is going to naysay, but. It's we we have gone through a lot, and I think it does make sense. Obviously, I've always been on this on this podcast defending Scott Lindsay. I always believed it would turn around, and it does at the moment feel like it is. But pe- people are always going to be negative until they have reason to think otherwise. Because when you've been supported a club like Swindon, you usually have reason to think otherwise. It's it comes with the territory. But you know, Scott Lindsay is as you said in that post match interview afterwards. After the Doncaster game, he was you know, visibly emotional about it, fist-pumping towards the fans at the end as well. And I think he really does, as you say, you know, he, he realises that he is possibly a bit fortunate to be where he is and he, he does feel genuine gratitude towards the club for trusting in him and he's trying everything he can to repay that trust. With people finally coming on side, he, he obviously had to say, and, did, and he may well believe that it was always a minority that was and to him anyway, or vocally so. You ha- you are currently seeing people come on more sides. I think you could just you can gauge that even by the EFL Trophy game because after after the Crystal Palace game, there were people saying the negative comments about him. Oh, why did we do this? Why did we do that? But after Plymouth, no one cared, which is the correct reaction, by the way. I think so too. And as you've alluded to, you are the stat man, and I think you highlighted something very well in your question. So shall we have a listen? Let's listen to them. So, um, just looking at the start again, 
compared to last season, you are now actually ahead of where that team was points-wise by one point. Um, how do you compare the two starts to the season? Do so you feel like you're in a similar or a better place than you were last year? Well, if we're one point ahead, we're in a better place than we was last year. So um, I'll take that as a positive. Um, I didn't know that, actually. Um, I think I was told last week that we were one point behind. Um, so I'll take that. And yeah, no, we're, we're obviously in a better place. Yeah, and then also on Grimsby, their, sort of their mentality in staying in games has been a strength in this season. Do you feel like your fast starts will be very important in beating them? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think that, like I just said, I think that that's an important factor. But I, I also think that that's an important factor for us every week, no matter who we're playing. I think that that kind of helps um, how the game will pan out. Is normally judged on how, how we start the game. So no, that's an important factor for us. Yeah, that's all for me. Thanks. Thank on. you. Right. So there we go. Yes, first one. I think this is this is pertinent because all throughout the season when people have been talking about the you know the endless draws and the form and saying about Bristol Rovers did this, Bristol Rovers did that, they took this many games. Never mind comparing about Bristol Rovers last year. This direct comparison to ourselves, to the Ben Garner side of last year, that made the playoffs. And as you pointed out, as we discussed uh, off mic last week, you are the official uh, Swindon Town data analysis man because that's a point ahead of Garner's form from last year. Yeah, Statman Joe's be at it again. I, I I do have to admit, I think I got this stat from Instagram. I think Swindon Bible that I saw post this out the other day. So I, I thought I would bring it up for him. Um, I didn't think the answer was necessarily what I was looking for. It was sort of, well, clearly that's a good thing. I was looking more for, uh, um, and tried to give the question towards development of the team and what he sees off the field compared to how we were last season. But, Obviously, it's a really good sign that we are ahead of a team that made the playoffs. I think it might have been straight after Northampton, um, where we were um, last season after that draw. But it is clear, it's, you know, being ahead of there when that team made the playoffs. And both sides kind of had to start slowly because of the way they were built. This one having that little bit of an edge. And if we can continue this development curve that we're seeing, then hopefully it's a good sign that, you know, you're ahead of track if last season was the was the intended blueprint. Yeah, I can't help feeling that if we do end up losing on the weekend that at the next presser, he'll point the same stat out back to you as if it's news to you, <laughs> which will be which will be fun. He, he does um, he does like a bit of a parrot stat, maybe. <laughs> that's always good. That's always good. We've got to dig a little bit into, of course, the opposition that we haven't really given much chat to so far. It is, of course, going to be Grimsby Town. They came back up last year after a, a short sabbatical down in the National League. I think everybody in the world's media all had eyes about Rex and this, Rex and that, Southport Rex and Southport Rex, and that's who we thought were going to come up. But yeah, they managed to be diligent in the playoffs and come back through. They stuck with Paul Hurst after they went back down in his second spell. And since they've come back in, it's been, apart from a, was it first game of the season, lost to Orient, it's been quite slow and steady and they've been picking up wins here and there. We often talk about, you know, Scott Lindsay being maybe a cliche and saying, you know, they're outstanding, good team, pass the ball well and all of these sorts of things. But I think this is a team that we have to give a bit of respect to in terms of where we both are. Well, of course, and you mentioned Wrexham with, and they're the ones with the documentary. But I think by the end of the season, Grimsby was where the story was. They're frankly unreal and just not believable playoff run where they were ahead for, I think it was a total of 11 minutes. 
um, across the three games they had to play and, and went up anyway, winning all of them. You know, they, they, they were coming up with a lot of momentum and obviously they did lose on the opening day. Swindon's still the only team not to have lost Leighton Orient so far this season. So, you know, they, they after that game, they've, they've been pretty good. And as I was, as I was bringing up, because I've heard some people talking about it, and you look at the results, it's pretty clear to see that Grimsby are, the Grimsby have made themselves very difficult to play against so far this season. They hang in games and then really try and force it on you in the second half. Scott Lindsay was talking about Paul Hurst, who is a very strange manager in many ways. He's been wildly successful at Grimsby and Shrewsbury, but at Ipswich and Scunthorpe, he was absolutely horrendous. So it's he's quite hard to gauge, but he's a manager of a lot of experience and one that Scott Lindsay talked about respecting a lot. And then you look at their squad, it's a it's a strong mix of more experienced players with a couple of younger ones. So there is definitely quality there. And they are a team have to have to be respected because they're on the edge of the playoffs, and it's gonna it's gonna be a tough game because you know you have to play on practically in the North Sea to go and play them. Yes, yeah, it's gonna be a long, a long, cold, wet, potentially windy trip up. Now you were joined by a pro, which was very nice to see. It was somebody when we've been talking about those um, roll call at the beginning. This was somebody who was at the forefront of my mind. So very, very nice to hear from. Marcel Lavinia, Lavinia, that's what we're saying. He is Lavinia, therefore he must be loved. And that's what we're going to refer to him from now. Nice to catch up and formally meet him. Yeah, it was absolutely lovely to meet uh, Lavinia. Um, as you were annoyed about Richard, I'm annoyed about this because I would have much preferred it to be Lavinia or something a bit more French. But it is not, and we must move on with that now. But yeah, it was, it was an absolutely brilliant interview. I think over the past few weeks we have been almost ranking <laughs> ranking the players who come and speak to us on a on a Johnny Williams scale but Lavinia Lavinia would definitely be right up the top of that it was it was really refreshing the way he speaks about football it's mostly from Johnny's questions you won't hear it from my audio but it, you never really hear footballers talk talk football that much but the way the way he could convey the information about how he understood his own position and the way that his team plays was incredibly impressive. Because, yeah, of course, he's got the pedigrees, you know, he's had the experience with uh, Chelsea uh, and Spurs up until right this summer. I think he was saying that he did the whole of pre season and that the contract was there, but I don't think he had a, was it right? He didn't have a squad number. Yeah, it was, well, it was a strange situation. And that's, that's where my question came from in the end, what was happening over the summer where he was out of contract with Tottenham, but he was still training with them a bit like in football manager when your staff get out of contract but they don't but they keep doing their job unless you fire them specifically even after the contract expires where he's still there but he's not allowed to play in the games or anything so as soon as their season started he was on his own again and having well there was supposedly they'd offered him a contract so it was his decision to leave 100 percent and go out and try and get games and that was a big theme of you know if his chat was him you know really he really respected everything that Chelsea and Tottenham did for him, but he was very much ready to go out and play men's football. It was his choice to leave Tottenham, and he and he wanted to do that so that he could play and test himself at the level. It was it was not one of those cliches. It was very much, you know, I didn't mind that I was moving to League Two because I felt personally that it was it was time for me. 
you're quite right and you know just to get the the hint of the grammar stuff because you've pretty much given the given the answer from there but i just want to stick in the clip of you know how you just to the point just came out and asked <laughs> what we were all thinking let's have a listen to joe just coming up and asking lavinia straight out joe, um yeah i just want to ask you about the start of your season because you start a little bit late what was going on with tottenham because you weren't really being used in the under 23s you had links to other places what was um, that like so my contract had run out in the summer so there was a contract on the table and um yeah it was just ongoing negotiations but i couldn't be i'm not able to play because i'm not actually a registered i went a registered player for tottenham at the time so um yeah i couldn't be involved and i couldn't train either yeah. what was that like over the summer getting fit in pre-season and then um i managed to do pre-season with tottenham so I'd done the whole pre-season up until August. So yeah, that was that was fine. And then the, the weeks, it was only about two, three weeks before I joined here. Um, I was just doing, doing my own thing, keeping fit myself. It wasn't really tough on me mentally because as long as I knew I was working hard and getting myself to a right state, which is fine. I played some games in pre-season as well. So I had some taste of, of football in 90 minutes. So it was... The, the, the two three weeks period it was fine for me to be honest yeah, it's all fine. So, no i love it this is something that i always loved about covering um for the presser for rich last year and doing doing a couple of games with ryan is that once it comes to your question if you usually last on the list the guys from total there is you do actually get to you know either speak what we're all thinking or say you know say something that is not obvious I just really appreciated just how direct uh, it was, and it gave quite a direct answer as well. Yeah, absolutely. It was when you get down the list a little bit, you are thinking of what else is there. And I remember when I was told that Lavinia was was joining us. I was, you know, I was researching him, and his his last summer felt quite strange because it was, frankly, his answer surprised me because I was under the understanding that he was he still had another year with Tottenham, but didn't want to extend, so they were looking to get rid of him, but. Turned out that he, he was actually out of contract with Tottenham and he was there for, you know, just, just to really do the pre-season then make his choice when it came down to it. So it was it was interesting. It's a, it a fairly blunt question, but it was one that I, I was quite interested to know the answer to. This comes kind of full circle to what we were talking about earlier about, you know, League Two and the level. I know we talked about it in, in terms of uh, Johnny Williams, but much like um, Tom Clayton coming from Liverpool, I guess a lot of people were maybe expecting that this might be a loan, but these are both players that you know have had contracts with with sort of top six clubs here and decided that the better option is to cut loose and make your own way. This is sort of the new age of young English footballers, isn't it? They're not content to just sit around uh, earning what was presumably bigger wages at a big academy side and getting maybe farmed out on loan if it's a Chelsea or just sort of sit there at some other clubs and until you're a lot older and then suddenly you're starting professional football from from a, a weird position. We've seen lots of players go to different countries. You know, Germany is a very popular one, quite a lot of players in Italy and France and places like that. We've obviously all seen who Marcel might know from well, actually no, I don't think he was there at the same time, but Marcus Edwards over recent weeks having um not quite made the grade after a big hype at Tottenham, go out to Portugal and play and do really well eventually against Tottenham for sporting clubs. So it's it's that kind of way that we're looking for. These players aren't happy to sit around, and Marcel was certainly one of them. He wanted to get out there, and you know from what we've seen so far, he's 
he's proving his quality already. Absolutely. I mean, if we only look back to last year, uh, Jojo Willcott bet on himself and got uh, you know got capped for his country and qualified for a World Cup. Kane Kessler Hayden coming on loan and managing to you know get under the nose of his manager by appearing on a big TV deal, and of course uh, you know Harry McCurdy managing to go from you know being almost practically and this is by you know his terms an in interview like being unemployable to getting a move into the SPL. It doesn't seem like a bad bad move to bet on yourself in League Two. Absolutely, if you're you know if you believe you have the talent, then go and prove it because no one's gonna really believe it until you've shown them that you can do this on at this level people are going to respect league two football because the english lower leagues are the best it gets around the world so if you can prove yourself in those environments like jojo did like harry did then then it's a really good place to be and swindon is probably ideal for players like tom clayton and marcel avinia you know because they are a team that are going to play a style much closer to what they've grown up with yeah i think so as well I don't know if we, I didn't certainly didn't get this on the uh, the audio feed, but as as he was put as the pro out to meet you on, that strong indication that he'll be he'll be back in proceedings. I think it was more in terms of we were because we were actually having a bit of a brainstorm with Dave Ricks and the media guy leading up to it is who did we want as a player because we've I think at this point spoken to all of the regular starters within the last few weeks so. I think Lavinia was one we hadn't done quite yet, certainly since he's joined. So I think it was maybe on that basis. But I would be very surprised if he is actually fully ready to go if he doesn't start. Because I think, as I've, I've explained on, on Total before, as a on the site, tactically, why his type of fullback has, as he answered to um, Johnny's question, he's a player who's played not just at fullback, but also as a as an in as a number eight in midfield and he he understands those both of those positions he's very technically proficient and being able to come inside and come outside and do all of the aspects this fullback role is required to do makes puts him above the rest and it's maybe something that Romeo Hutton as good as he has been can't do so if Lavinia is available I would be surprised if he wasn't starting yeah and you know if Jose Mourinho trusts him in the Europa League, then we can trust him at Grimsby. Well, absolutely. It's was it Wolfsburg or AC that he came on against for Matt Doherty? So he's he's played at a pretty high level, albeit just the once. But to get into any of those squads at a club like that is incredibly difficult. So, you know, if he can do that, he can certainly play for us in Cleethorpes. Absolutely he can. Now looking to Cleethorpes, right, it's predictions time and I, I am been told I am representing Rich, so I have to be careful with my predictions, but what's your instinct going into the game? I would be surprised if it wasn't tight, as I as I said to Scott Lindsay, that that is what this Grimsby team do. So unless we get off to that quick start that uh, Scott wants us to, then it, it could become a difficult game. I think I'm going to lean to the negative and say 1-1. One, one. I was on the borderline of either thinking the same as you, or if, if there is a win, I think it would be marginal. So I'm going to go slightly higher above, and I'll say 2-1 on Rich's behalf. Well, as is tradition, I very much hope that you're right. But, you know, we can't have too many wins in a row. It just seems unlikely. Yeah, and I think that I think this might be more of a grounding thing anyway. So I'm sure whatever happens, you know, we're still back on track and... You know, thinking, 
thinking of looking upward, not down into the gutter anymore. So that's a good thing, right? Well, it's it's always a good thing, you know. We're we've all of a sudden got a bit of positivity after last week being a very good one with those two wins. People are starting to buy into Scott Lindsay. People are starting to buy into the football. So it's a good time, and good times in my experience at Swindon immediately come crashing down to earth with a gut punch of a game in somewhere where you maybe expect to do better. But you know, I I, I have remained slightly hopeful, even if I didn't predict it, that we will. We will continue because it's, it's we're playing well at the moment, even with that loss to Plymouth. We're playing well. Exactly. And if it doesn't all work out, then at least the guys who are going to travel up there, you could be having the best fish and chips that you'll ever have afterwards. So that's something to look forward to if it doesn't go our way. Joe, on that note, on a, on a fish and chippy note, thank you very much. And I'm sure that we'll hear more next week. Thank you very much, Joe. Bye-bye. Inside the box to Moncair. Good run by him and now that's goal. The Lone Strangers is an independent podcast and views given do not reflect those of Swindon Town Football Club. The intro music of the presser is by the amazing Drag Me Down, influenced by the great Matthew Kilford. And the podcast artwork is by Matt in Singapore. What a guy. Thanks for listening. Come on, Swindon. <laughs> I don't know what kind of ending that was, but <laughs> we'll have it. That was all right, that'll do. Guns should. Hi, Ellis Pod fans, it's JR here. If Swindon players were McDonald's items, who would they be? We've had lots of Big Macs, like the legendary Alan McLaughlin, Harry McCurdy, or even Steve McMahon. Perhaps you'd prefer to channel the power of McPlant, like Darren Ward, or maybe five chicken selects, one to enjoy for each time Ben Gladwin joined. Yep, there's one spare, but there's still time. And you don't need super scouts or data solutions to get your hands on any of these. Muck delivery through the McDonald's app brings them all to you. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs>